Bible. A deeper dive into the books of the Bible. Greetings and welcome to Pondering the Bible. I'm your co-host, Ken Corkins, and with me, as always, is my longtime friend and pastor, Rocky Ellison. Hello. This is Season 6, Episode 2, and as always, we pray that we're sponsored by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So this week uh, is actually Baptism of the Lord's Sunday in the, yep. in the calendar of church events. What, is, what does that mean, and how do we observe that? Always the second Sunday of January, immediately follows Epiphany every year. You will read the story of the baptism of Jesus from one of the four Gospels, because it appears, it's one of the few stories that appears in all four Gospels. Uh, speak about baptism, and then typically uh, there'll be other little events to sort of remind people of their baptism. There's there's a lot to baptism. Uh, part of it is uh a public show of your commitment to Christ. It's something you do to show the world, I've made a decision for Jesus. But God has also promised good back to us as part of the baptismal covenant. And so typically on, on this Sunday, we'll, we'll talk about the, the give and the take of baptism, if you will. Interesting. Um, and different churches, different denominations have yeah. different ways of baptizing, and that's been issues that's caused church splits in the past, it I believe. It has, yeah. Do you dunk? Do you sprinkle? Do you need to be in fresh water? Or is, you know, the, the, the tub in the, in, the, uh, in the church good enough, or can I just sprinkle some water over your head? Yeah. And, and when sprinkled, can it be done by hand, or uh, does it have to be poured from a device, from a pitcher, or a seashell? And if so, do you just pour the water once, or do you do it once each time for baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son? And the Holy Spirit. There's there's a lot of different ways to do baptism, and uh, it's caused some real heartburn. <laughs> and when, you know, lots of children are baptized, yeah. before they're able to actually make that their profession themselves, but we do it, what, to kind of show to the, the rest of the church family that we we as the parents intend to raise this child in this way, or yeah, in the in the churches which do what we call in it, we call it infant baptism, even though it could be all the way up until ten, twelve, thirteen. Uh, it would still be called an infant baptism, and yet the parents take on the responsibility for the Christian life of that child until they are old enough to make that profession of faith for themselves, which in our case comes at the end of a confirmation class, uh, and other denominations look at us and go, then you didn't really baptize them, you just christened them until they could be, until they could complete their own baptism. And, and, and there is some truth to, to that view. True. Um, and I, this is audio only, but there's a very, very funny video um, of a—you thinking about it right when I mentioned it, where the—it's uh, got to be somewhere in, I would guess, Eastern Europe. Um, he takes the baby and he dunks it right side up, left side, upside down, and just yes. flips it over yeah, and over. Yeah, he and just keeps—like like he's driving a, an airplane through water. He just does that with that little—I'm I'm, going to guess three, four-month-old baby, yeah. and you're just horrified as he does that. And there's—I mean— I wish we could do video for this one to show like the kids jumping into the pool with the pastor and all that kind of fun stuff. It's interesting. So lots, lots of, uh, lots of traditions and non-traditional yeah. <laughs> things with yes. baptism. So um, what are we 
well, it is Baptism of the Lord Sunday, so what are we going to read about tonight? We're going to um, start in uh, chapter 1, verse 9, move all the way through uh, verse 15, which actually goes a bit beyond the baptism, but they are tied together uh, in terms of why they both happen. So, 9 through 15 tonight, reading from the New Living Translation. All right. One day, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved Son, and you bring me great joy. The Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness, where he was tempted by Satan for forty days. He was out among the wild animals, and angels took care of him. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee, where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Amen. All right, so that, what is that, uh, six verses? Yeah. We covered a lot of ground. A lot of ground. If you were going to compare them to Matthew and Luke and John, they'd spend a lot more detail. So... Obviously, what's different about it in Mark? You know, <laughs> but the very the very first one that, that catches your attention is is the description of of the baptism itself. Um, in, in the other gospels, Jesus arrives and John the Baptist has some give and take with Jesus about, oh, you should baptize me. No, 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 right, John, I'm, you you need to baptize me. And we're not worthy. We're and we're doing this to fulfill the law, and there's this give and take that goes on, and then they they go into the water and perform the baptism, and and in this one it it just it just shocks me. Here is Mark's Peter's soul take. One day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. Yep, this happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's bullet point bullet point sermon there. <laughs> we said the Gospel of Mark is is. Uh, aggressive about getting to the cross. And I think that right there is proof of that statement. Right. Because, <laughs> you know, these these three events, if you will, uh, that are covered in these six verses take a lot more time than the other Gospels. And yeah. you could spend a whole week talking about one, two, or three, right? Yes. Yeah. The baptism, um, the going to the wilderness, and then beginning his ministry. Yeah. But here we just cover it. Bam. Let's get to the cross. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so how do you want to really cover this one? Let's just move through it verse by verse. All right, I'll start it off with uh, verse 9. One day, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. Doesn't say anything about how it's performed. Um, Does John hold Jesus by the nose and dip him backwards like we see in in a lot of modern-day baptisms? Um, Is Jesus Fully clothed? Is he naked? Um, do they go waist deep? Do they go chest deep? Does he bend? In some uh, denominations, they're convinced Jesus bent down into the water and immersed himself and rose up all on his own. That John didn't even touch him or John have anything. Just to, standing there, yeah. Oh, interesting. And, and we get zero information from Peter. It's how it happened. Not important. It, it happened. happened. Yeah. <laughs> so that happened. That it happened is more important than how. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, Let's go on to verse 10 then. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Now, that's covered differently in different 
Gospels as well. Right. Right? Because here, it's not really clear. It sounds like Jesus saw the heaven split. Yeah. And then the other Gospels, you're kind of led to believe that maybe John saw, or maybe everybody standing around saw. So who, right. really, who really saw the heavens open? Yeah, let's, let's, let's move this. Um, when Jesus comes up out of the water is a really vague sentence. It can mean when he comes up from being submerged in the water. So he breaks the surface, right? And, and, and which is why many of the Baptist denominations go, if you're not fully immersed, you weren't baptized like Jesus, it doesn't count because Jesus came up out of the water. Mark said so. But those exact same words can also mean when he walks out of the river. When he crosses the bank and starts walking back up the hill. So whatever, if yeah. you will look at uh, artwork— if all you'll if all you'll put into Google is uh, baptism of Jesus, you'll notice that half of the images, art, uh, classic art images, have Jesus standing on the shore with the dove coming to him. He's not in the river at all. It's because hmm. uh, we can't really agree on what is meant by when he came up from the water. That's that's different. Yeah, <laughs> who'd have thunk that would be controversial? Yeah. <laughs> When he does, and, and then there's this great sentence. Uh, ours says, uh, he saw the heavens splitting apart. Some translations will say the heavens ripped apart. Um, the Greek word that Mark actually uses there is schizo, as in schizophrenic or right. schizophrenia, when a person's mind is little, literally ripped in two. Get out of my head! Get out of my head! Get out of my head! Um, and so it implies actually a very dramatic and a very violent activity. That word schizo only used twice in the entire New Testament. It's used here. And then Mark uses it again at the crucifixion. As Jesus dies, there's an earthquake, the sky turns black, and the, the curtain in the holy temple is ripped apart. Mm -hmm. And Mark uses schizo for the ripping of that, the violent ripping of that curtain. So, Mark, uh, it bookends, Jesus' ministry begins here, it ends on the cross, and both of those are schizo. So, it's the start and the end of, of Jesus' earthly ministry, ripping. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and then, on to the Holy Spirit, the arrival of it. What have you got on that? Uh, verse 11, and a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. Uh, again, like you were saying, the different uh, gospels don't make it really clear. Who, heard, who hears this voice come from heaven? Uh, Mark almost implies it's just Jesus mm -hmm. that hears it. Uh, I want to say Matthew Makes it very clear that it's it's Matthew or that it's Jesus and John. Uh, I, I didn't review the other gospels before I came tonight, but it, it may be then that John, the Gospel of John implies everybody standing there heard the voice. So we don't really know for sure who heard, but we do know there was a voice. It comes from the sky, from these ripped apart heavens, um, and it says, "You know, you are my son, and I'm pleased with you." And you got to ask yourself. What's he done to make God pleased? Because he hasn't actually done ministry to this point. So if the Father tells him, I'm so pleased with you, why? And after years and after 2,000 years of arguing about this, the best answer that I've come across is Jesus had a choice whether to be our Savior or not. He could have come down, looked around, and went, you are not 
worth it. Yeah, I'm not doing that for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> if you knew what I'm going to have, I'm going to have to not only be, you know, horrifically treated and murdered, but then I got to go spend three days in hell. Uh, it, it, it would not, one of the, the, one of my seminary professors said, Jesus had the option of doing that. Otherwise, Jesus is created by God for that purpose. And we don't believe that. Jesus is God. He's part of the triune God. So he wasn't made for the crucifixion and our salvation. He is God who chose to be uh, crucified for our salvation. I think we kind of see that in Revelation. Yeah. Right? When who will who will do this in the man stands, stands, I will do it. Yeah. I think that, I think, I could be way wrong, but that's kind of a look back, if you will, into time when God asks, who's going to go and do this thing for me? And Jesus is the one who stands up and says, I'll go do it. I will go. And so, yeah, at this point, he said, I'm, I'm going to go do it. Send me down. He comes to this point, and now God's pleased because he's actually going to do it. Yes. This was the step to mark the beginning of his ministry. And God says, Wow, I'm really proud of you for doing this because this is going to suck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? we argue uh, a lot about why was Jesus even baptized? He's sinless, he's perfect, and John was preaching a baptism of repentance. Mm-hmm. That's what John keeps harping on. So, if Jesus has no sin, he has no need to repent, so he has no need to be baptized. And that's what John says. Yeah. You should be baptizing yeah. me. And and part of Jesus's argument back is we've got to fulfill law and prophecy mm-hmm. uh, and. I am making the choice, the deliberate decision to be your Savior. And I think that's what God is so pleased with, that that Jesus will, in fact, do uh, the reason he was sent here for. I think that makes sense. Voluntarily. Right. Wow. What if he said, nah? Uh, no, I don't really feel like it. Boy, we'd have been... Oh, man. We're lost. <laughs> we'd we're lost. We'd hurt right now, wouldn't we? <laughs> All right. <laughs> So thank you. <laughs> Verse 12. Then we jump to another another section here. Yeah, right? go ahead and put 13 with it. Okay. Uh, the Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among the wild animals and angels took care of him. Yeah. Again, that is the Reader's Digest of Reader's Digest's uh, telling of what happens in the in the, in the the uh Wilderness. Yeah, it doesn't appear in the Gospel of John, but it's in Matthew and Luke, and it's a long deal. Jesus is, you know, debating the book of Deuteronomy with Satan Mm -hmm. out in the wilderness as he as he tempts him, you know, to you know turn the stones in the bread or to jump off of the temple or fall on your knees and worship me, you know, Uh, and and what it all amounts to, and and because people go like, the Holy Spirit drives him out there. Yep, that's exactly what happens. Like, well, why? Specifically to be tempted. And you go, well, that doesn't sound any good at all. Satan is trying to get Jesus to recant the decision he just made that pleased God so much. All of the things he offers him are basically saying, I've changed my mind. I won't go to the cross. I'll just be... You know, the king sa- of the world, king, right. king of the world, yeah, uh, without having to go and die. So, Satan's temptation immediately is Do you have buyer's remorse? Would you like to change right. your mind <laughs> on the, what you The lemon ch- law yeah. applies, right? And, you got and, three days. Yeah. <laughs> 40 and, days. And, and the Holy Spirit immediately drives him out there and forces him to, um, to the man portion of Jesus to confront what did I just say yes to? 
And am I going to stand by that? Am I willing? You know, when times get hard, will I back away? Uh, Here's my first taste of it. I'm being tempted right now. After 40 days of starvation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, the the offering of bread, you know, turn the stone into bread. That's got to be very tempting after 40 days of starving. Like, oh, that'd be easy. I could do that. But then you just pulled back from what you just agreed to do. So yeah. it's, it's very compelling. So uh, fortunately for you and I, Jesus survives that temptation, uh, the Alto's temptations. In fact, uh, I, I think it's Luke that implies, we read of the three temptations mm-hmm. that, that Satan offers him, but I think it's Luke that implies there were way more than that. Those are just the three we know about and are telling you about, but he was tempted all through the 40 days. Oh, that's a fear uh, I've never heard. Yeah. And yeah. so, but Jesus, um, like us, faces temptation uh, and triumphs over it to stay true to the decision that he made. And, and you and I are called to do exactly the same thing. We have made a decision for Christ that brings with it consequences. Are we going to stay true to that decision and face the consequences that come for our our choice? And and hopefully we will. Hopefully you and I will be as as brave and as persistent as Jesus was. If only. Yeah. <laughs> if only I could be as brave as Jesus. Oh my goodness. All right, moving on then to fourteen. Now we jump again, and we talked about this when we were going through the Gospel of Matthew. Yeah. How this is about like, like a year later, yes, right? When, it when is. John is imprisoned. Yeah. Um. So 14, later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. Yeah. He wipes out, Mark wipes out the entire first year of Jesus's three and a half years of ministry as as though it didn't even happen. We know Jesus, thank heavens for the gospel of John. We know that Jesus has one year that he spends uh, in the southern part of the country in Judea uh, where he Really, that's where he builds his relationships with his apostles before he calls them to be apostles. Uh, in Mark next week, we're going to go straight to the calling of the apostles. Well, he had already built a relationship with John. Some of the apostles are former disciples of John the Baptist's that are going to come to Jesus. Uh, uh, Andrew is one of those. His brother is Peter. He's going to bring his brother Peter and introduce him to Jesus. So Jesus spends that first year really building relationships before he calls these men to become partners in his ministry. He builds a relationship with the religious authorities in Jerusalem. Nicodemus responds favorably. Boy, he, this guy has got some wise words. We need to listen to him. We need to hear what he has to say. The others are going to be very upset with what Jesus appears to be teaching uh, and are going to – this is why they're going to start spying on him and writing down and recording all of his sermons and his behavior. So, Isn't that what kind of drives him back north? Yes. Is that down in Judea where the – where Jerusalem is and the most of the religious authorities, they're all down there and they're just starting to kind of get in a little too deep trying to – thwart him too early. And so he's like, well, I'm just going to go north and hang out for a little while. So, yeah. Mark is going to make it sound like, and he went, you know, he got baptized, he went to Galilee, and boy, the the church was just against him from the get-go. Well, not actually. He spent a year creating the the tension that caused them to be against him (laughs) one year later. All right. Uh, And then verse 15, the time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Yeah. 
an eschatological message, uh, an end times message. Uh, and there's a phrase that you and I use all the time, now and not yet, mm -hmm. that um, when it comes to the end of the world and the end times, it is both now and not yet. It's already started happening, but it's not complete. There's so much still to come. And you see that in this one verse. Jesus says, the time promised by God has come at last. So it's now, right? because that time has come. And then in the very next sentence, he says, the kingdom of God is near. Right. We so hear that a lot too. here yeah. yet. So Jesus in verse 15 literally says, now and not yet. So, if you're confused about end-time theology, it's because it's a confusing topic that has already started happening to us, but isn't anywhere near being complete and has lots yet to go. And this is one of those points where we learn that, or that points out, the thing that Jesus talks about most is the kingdom of God. Yes. And it's right here. Right? Yes. So when I read that, I almost yeah. stopped and said, there it is. There it is. But I kept going because... Uh, the kingdom of God. He talks about that a lot. The kingdom of God is like, right? Yes. He does that a lot. Um, okay. It's really funny because I, I have heard people say, uh, Jesus talks more about money than any other topic. I've, I've been through the Bible and that's where he talks about the most. And then people go, no, no, no. Jesus talks more about love than any other topic. And the true fact is if you count up the verses, he talks about the kingdom of God more than any other topic. Well, money is a touchy topic for a lot of people for yeah. a lot of reasons. So yeah. I can understand it pokes out at you. Yeah. Um, and my, you know, just back of my head kind of thinking, he was using money mostly as a, an illustration. Yes. Um, and I, I'm glad that Jesus talks a lot about love because that's a very important yeah. part of being a Christian and being human, uh, whether or not you're a Christian, you should love. Um, but then the one that really does surprise me is that he talks so much about the kingdom of God, Yeah, which is okay for religion, but it's like, is that really what he came to talk about? Well, yeah, it is. He wants to tell you why you want to be a part of the kingdom of God. Yeah. Because love. You know, people, people <laughs> are always, uh, I've, I've heard people say, well, you know, there are two kinds of people. There are those who deal with the world the way it is, and there are those who deal with the world the way it should be. And you're firmly in one of those camps. And Jesus is in both of those camps. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he deals with both of those right. via the kingdom of God. Here and not yet. Yes. <laughs> now and not yet. <laughs> All right. Okay. Anything else on this pericope? No, it is the, uh, it's not actually the briefest of descriptions. I think the one in John uses it, uh, and the Gospel of John does it as a back, uh, a flashback. Right. Uh, and so it's a little confusing about how much of the flashback is the baptism and how much is, ooh, he moved on to another topic. So John's a little confusing. But compared to Matthew and Luke, Man, there's hardly a baptism here at all, so not a lot to to rip apart, uh, and, and we moved right through it. <laughs> Reader's Digest would be jealous. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so have you given a sermon title yet? Calling this one Decisions, uh, because Jesus, uh, I believe that's what God is pleased with, His decision to be the Savior, and then no sooner does He make that decision than He's driven into the wilderness to challenge that decision. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you really so, sure? So that's what we're going to talk about this Sunday. All right. So if you'd like to listen to the sermon that Rocky delivers, it will be on our website at www.pondergmc.org. Uh, at the top is a menu called Ministries. Pull that down, click on Sermons, look for the sermon Decisions, and this will have been delivered on January 8th, 2023. 
Uh, what are we covering next week? Next week, the calling of the disciples. Okay. Bad dad joke for you. Okay. I just found out that Albert Einstein really existed. I always thought he was a theoretical physicist. <laughs> and with that, I think I better run away and close this episode. This is Ken Corkins and Rocky Ellison reminding you to love God and be nice to people. Thanks for tuning in. You can find us at www.pondergmc.org. There, you can watch our live stream services, listen to replays of Rocky sermons, and find other interesting information about us. This has been Pondering the Bible. <laughs>